Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Everyone, my name's Ollie, if I haven't met you. Today's Bible reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ollie. Good morning again, everyone. Morning, good to see here you're there. Um, Like we uh, have been saying, uh, we are in Missions May. And uh, to begin the sermon, I just want to like clarify and outline like what do we actually mean by this? What are we doing during this month uh, to to be involved and partner in Missions May? And we've got three goals, three goals in this month uh, to all do together uh, in missions, and they are impartation, inspiration, incarnation. Three nice big in words. Can everyone say impartation? So what we want to do is we want to impart knowledge around mission. And so we want to learn about what's God's heart for cross-cultural mission. And that's why we've, we've taken a, a detour, a break from our series in Deuteronomy to teach specifically on missions so we can all learn and grow together and be imparted with that heart of God's mission. The next one is inspiration. Everyone say inspiration. We want to tell and hear stories about what God is doing around the world. 
not just globally, but also locally. And the end of the sermon, we'll hear from our mission partners uh, and what they're involved in um, around the world. And uh, and it's a great blessing. We've got the we've got the Hills Baptist Allgate Mission Partners. We've also got the mission partners of uh, Mount Barker Baptist that we've just. Um, uh, amalgamated or in the process of amalgamating with. So there's even more stories, more work that we are involved in now around the world. Um, so that's the next in word. The third goal is incarnation. Everyone say incarnation. And this is we want to give a people a, an opportunity to do something, to respond, to be part of God's mission. Incarnation means to like literally take on flesh. Like how can we go and do something with this. Um, and so the main, uh, I guess the main opportunity we're giving people is um, giving. How do we respond? And we want to raise, we have the, the goal collectively as a church, and this is Hills Baptist, Allgave, Redan, Mount Barker, and Lowethal, to raise $40,000, which is over and above our normal um giving and our, and our budgeted gift or support of our mission partners to, to bless and to invest into God's mission. Now, this is, this is uh, not our tithes being redirected into that. We do ask that you partner with the church and, um, and, and keep you know, sharing for the ministry involvement here. This is giving over and above, over and above what we might normally give uh, and it's, you know, it might be uh, stretching, it might be a bit of a sacrifice, but we have a heart to bless the nations, to bring God's blessing to the whole world. And we as a community are very blessed. And so we've got an opportunity uh, to give courageously to missions. So we want to raise $40,000. And just to outline, 100% of this money will go to our mission partners. And there's there's five places it's going. We're going to be dividing it up in five ways. Uh, and that's to our four mission organization partners. And then uh, the last fifth is to our missionaries, like the people we're partnering with. Um, and those uh, partners are Baptist World Aid. Oh, sorry, let's go Miracle Connect, we'll, we'll follow you to lead the way, Nath. Uh, Miracle Connect, so it's a media ministry reaching out to the Middle East. Um, uh, yeah, with the gospel of Jesus. Hohedii, we had the Hohedii Choir last week, so we heard about them. It's an organization in Indonesia devoted to helping the poor and the marginalized physically and emotionally. Uh, Baptist World Aid, we saw before, supporting poverty alleviation projects. And the Red Sea, uh, based in Cairns, supporting Christian cross-cultural workers through counseling, member care, um, uh, disciplines, and training. Now this, and then also our um, mission partners. Now the actual work, we, we wanted to share and reach out to our organization. Where is this money actually going? And so with Baptist World Aid, the funds will go to support our Uganda partnership. So $8,000, which is what we'll uh, raise, will support 10 out-of-school youth in Uganda to complete an apprenticeship. So it's going to a very specific um, role here. To Red Sea, uh, sorry, this is jumping around. I'll go by my notes now. Red Sea, it will subsidize counseling sessions for Christian cultural workers who may be having financial difficulties. So people who, going, who are the ones going overseas and... Uh, helping them afford uh, the the counseling, the the 
pre-briefing, the debriefing they need to do that effectively that Red Sea provide. Hohedii, uh, currently Hohedii has several vehicles that are beyond repair and in need of replacement. So the $8,000 will contribute towards purchasing two vehicles, one new and one second hand. So a very practical need. And then Miracle Connect, uh, it will go towards the production of a discipleship series to be broadcast into the Middle East uh, and reach a number of people who otherwise would never hear the gospel. Quite amazing. And so $8,000 will um, be able to produce 13 uh, episodes. And then missionaries, there's a number of um, uh, things as well. Return to Malawi, uh, Shalom HIV AIDS ministry in Delhi, role support, building a dorm uh, for our boys, and much, much more. So you can see the money that we're raising is going to very specific needs, specific things to bring God's blessing to the world. And so that's, that's what um, Missions May is all about. Impartation, inspiration, and incarnation. And to, to give, um, we were asking, grab one of these envelopes, and on it, it's got all the details of how you can give. Now, again, this is over and above our regular support of the church. This is over and above what the church has budgeted to uh, bless and, and to support these missions. Um, you can give by credit card, cash or check, bank transfer for, or at the coffee cart or today will be the stall um, at the square. So do grab that. Pray, pray with your family how you might uh, be um, blessing these mission partners. Now to think today, uh, I want to talk about our posture in missions. And to do that, I want to share of, uh, oh, there's a nice picture of me, uh, share a, um, a story of two mission movements throughout history. We can learn a lot from history, and I don't think we talk about history enough um, because we keep making the same mistakes again and again. And, and just to warn, we are going to go into a dark part of our family history as Christians, and that's the Crusades. The first mission movement I want to talk about is the Crusades. Uh, and a lot of people hear this and uh, you think these are the great wars in um, uh, the early 10th, 11th century. And um, what do these have to do with mission? Well, the Crusades uh, started when Pope Urban II at the Council of Clermont um, recognized the issue that Jerusalem was overrun with Muslims. The center of Christianity or the origin of Christianity and Judaism was overrun with Muslims. And to liberate Jerusalem from uh, the Muslim uh, occupation, he did a call to arms, called God's people to go on a mission to go and to free Jerusalem. And there was all these different tactics he used to, to raise missionaries up into this mission army. Um, obviously, he used his char charisma and, and drew people, gave the vision of, of the importance of, of freeing Jerusalem and make, turning Jerusalem back into a Christian city as it was intended. 
but also uh, he offered indulgences. So anyone who would come and fight in this war would be given indulgences, which was an opportunity for this person for either themselves or for their family members to, to get um, like a couple of steps, extra steps closer to heaven. And so there was that like incentive for the missionaries to go and be part of this army. And so they gathered this army um, uh, and, and there was a great sense of honor and purpose amongst these crusaders. They wore a cross on their uniforms, on their shields and their swords. And, and they did all this. They walked out in Jesus' name to go and attack the Muslim people in Jerusalem, the Turks, and liberate Jerusalem. And the, the um, driving mantra, the, the driving force behind this mission came from Luke 14, 23, which is where in, in, a, in a parable, Jesus says, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And so the, the, at the time, the Catholic, the Christian army, under the direction of, of Pope Urban, went out to compel people to enter the kingdom. And they did that with violence, brutal violence. I've got, um, there's this book here, Bullies and Saints, an honest look at the good and evil of Christian history, very much well worth a read. But here's a quote um, uh, of... Um, Raymond of Aguilers, a leader of the First Crusade. And he says, wonderful sights were to be seen. I should say, this gets a bit graphic, so um, tune out if, if you need to. Some of our men cut off the heads of their enemies. Others shot them with arrows, so they fell from the towers. Others tortured them long by casting them into flames. Piles of heads, hands, and feet were to be seen in the streets of the city. It was, it was a just and splendid judgment of God that this place should be filled with the blood of unbelievers since they had suffered so long from their blasphemies. Uh, elsewhere, he says, men rode, up, rode uh, in blood up to their knees. And that was one day. The, the next day, they held a Thanksgiving service in Jerusalem's Church of the Holy Sepulchre, um, just meters away from this massacre. Now, we hear stories like that, and we think, well, that wasn't religiously motivated. That was, that was political. That was about land grabbing. That was about uh, the, the empires gaining extra land and, and rule and authority. And there's an element of truth there, but we cannot deny, and we need to be honest, that this was religiously motivated. These were people going out in the name of, of Jesus. And this is a dark part of our collective Christian history. They went out with the name of Jesus, but they certainly didn't go with the love of Jesus. Now, there are other stories. Some might say, well, that was just the Catholic Church. We're Protestant. We'll, we would never uh, operate like that. Go and 
impose our own culture on another group of people or go with a sense of superiority and, and authority in mission. Uh, that's not true. We're just as bad, right? But that's not the only story out of the Catholic Church. There's another movement, the monastic movement, the Jesuit movement, that had a very different posture to mission. And there's, there's this guy, Matteo Ricci, uh, who, who went to China in 1582. Um, I've been talking a lot about Hudson Taylor in other sermons. Matteo was like the predecessor to Hudson, uh, one of the, someone that Hudson really looked up to. He had a completely different approach to mission. Instead of coming and, and like attacking and fighting and imposing uh, Christian culture into, uh, into China, so Matteo went and he was a missionary in China. He went and instead of imposing culture, he entered into the culture. So you might notice uh, in this image a few distinctives with what he's wearing, with the language that's on the wall being used, the globe right next to him, all uh, Chinese cultural aspects. The fact that Matteo ran mass and, and taught from the scriptures in Chinese, where pretty much the rest of the world was still doing Aladdin, and was still doing Aladdin until pretty recently, that's groundbreaking. And, and his approach, uh, he befriended uh, Ku Tasu, uh, who was an academic, and he, um, he became friends with this guy and then started teaching maths and science uh, in the universities. So he didn't come and teach, like take the children away and educate them to become Western or to become a Christian culture. He went and taught at the top to like, provide uh, maths and science and teaching and growing the culture, gave to the culture so that the Chinese people could then pass that down to their own children. He also, um, uh, in that, he uh, shared the gospel. He entered into the culture. He, he gained a role. He blessed the culture. And then he shared the gospel, shared the truth about Jesus. And one of the things that uh, his friend, Feng Yingli, said is, he treated the affairs of our fathers as if they were his own, as if they were his own. And our fathers, in turn, treated his as if they were ours. So because the values of the Chinese people were, was important to Matteo, what was important to Matteo became important to the Chinese people. And it was from that, that humble posture, he, he shared the gospel. He lived out on mission. And even what I found awesome is he, we often hear of, of Chinese people taking an anglicized name. He took on a Chinese name, Li Matao. Uh, he entered into the culture and gave up his own culture to serve and bless and love and to bring hope. So what is the big difference between these two missional movements? It's the posture. It's the posture. It's not coming from a place of authority and privilege and imposing mission onto the people, but coming from a posture of humility, of, of weakness, and bringing, offering up the gospel 
offering up the truth of Jesus as the thing that might bring blessing and hope and meaning to, to the people. The Crusades were fighting for Christendom, the Christian nation, rather than fighting for Christ. And they brought with them Christian culture, not the Christian hope. Whereas Matteo uh, wanted to bring in Christ, so he gave to the culture. He entered into it, gave of himself to bless the culture. And he, he did mission from a place of humility. Now we can look back on history and hindsight's 2020. We look back on history and even the history of mission in the Australian church and in Australia, particularly with Indigenous people. There's been some, some really horrible stuff done in the name of Jesus. I think ultimately where it goes wrong is the posture. Are we coming from a place of superiority, of privilege, that we've got something and they don't and we're better because of that? Or are we coming from a place of humility to enter into and to serve, to bring hope and love and faith Because we know in light of God's purpose for his mission to bring faith, hope, and love to the world, to bring his blessing, it's his mission to bring his blessing and his glory to all nations through his power, through his people that he sends. Like in light of that, that informs our posture. And we read 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 13, uh, if you want to have that open, I just want to, there's, there's actually so much in there. Uh, and reading it this week, I thought, oh, we need to do a sermon series in 1 Thessalonians. And we will soon, but after some other stuff we want to get through too. But I just want to have three simple observations of what our posture is to be. What was Paul's posture as he went and he did mission to the Thessalonians? How did he go about that? What was his posture? What was, where was he coming from? Three observations, three points, and then think about well, what, what might that look like for us. And they're not groundbreaking, not, not profound, but they're very, very important. The first one is humble. He came to serve. Uh, from verse 4, or verse 3, he, you know, the appeal they made wasn't, didn't spring from error or impure motives, nor were they trying to trick the Thessalonians. On the contrary, we spoke as though approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. They didn't use flattery. They didn't put on masks to cover up greed. God is their witness. They weren't looking for the praise from people to elevate them to glorify them and not from anyone else. And even though as, as apostles of Christ, we could have assor- asserted their authority. They were sent by Jesus. They had authority in the church. They could come and tell people what to do, what to believe, how they should have been treated. But they didn't come like that. And, and hear how, they descri- how Paul describes himself, how they came. There's three descriptions. And it's, it's, um, I didn't plan this, although providently, 
uh, it's related to Mother's Day. The first one, he describes them as children. They didn't come as a, as a director or a dictator with all the authority. They came as a child with no rights, no authority to enter into the, the Thessalonian culture. And he also describes himself as a mother. Uh, verse 7, the second half of 7, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. The, the deep love and care that a mother, a nursing mother has for a child. Paul came with that same love and care for the Thessalonian people. And later on, as fathers, uh, verse 11, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. They didn't take their entitlement of being apostles or Paul being a Jewish citizen and, and a Roman citizen and all the authority and privilege and power that he has had. He didn't use that and didn't come from this place of superiority with the Thessalonian people. He became like a child to them and like a mother, loving and caring for them. And a father gently encouraging and comforting them. He had a humble posture towards the Thessalonian people. The humble posture in mission. The next posture, he was, Paul was humble. He was courageous. He was courageous. Um, verse 2, it says, We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Now, you can read about the details of it in Acts 16 and 17. In Philippi, uh, they were imprisoned for preaching the gospel. They were sent to prison. And there was this miraculous escape and, and they converted the prison guard. Great story, Acts 16, if you want to read it. And so they, but they had that experience where they faced incredible persecution, sent to prison. And then they got to Thessalonica and the, 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 the opposition got even more crazy where there was a big mob that gathered and started and they kind of, they, they set the city in an uproar, a, a giant riot against Paul and his, and his uh, companions, and they attacked their host, demanding that Paul be excommunicated from the city. And why would Paul pers persist in that kind of condition under fierce opposition, under fierce persecution? Why would Paul, I love how he puts it, how, why would he dare to share the gospel in a community that was so closed off towards it? Because he had courage. Because he was willing to take risks. Because he was willing to make sacrifices. Because he had a deep reliance on God. He, he knew that it wasn't his work to be done. It was God's work to be done. And so he did God's work with courage, boldly. And even with it, there was a sense of adventure. Like we dared to share the gospel. 
There's a sense of adventure, of, of trials and troubles that are overcome by the underdog of this, this person who's preaching good news about a man who died of all things into a kingdom that's all about power and privilege. And he comes from this place of weakness, sharing this ludicrous message. And it's adventurous, it's exciting. And, he, and through that, he sees people coming to faith and this movement of these humble, loving, courageous people exploding. It's very exciting, very exciting. And the last thing from briefly from this passage, verse 13, Paul was humble, he was courageous, he was also dependent. Paul says, and we thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but, it's act, but what it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Paul recognized as he went about God's mission, it wasn't his charisma that converted people. It wasn't his intellect or his position and status as, as a Pharisee, as a Jew, as a Roman citizen. It wasn't his power and work, but it was God's work. It was God's word shared in the lives of people that transformed people, that saved people. It was God's work because it's God's mission. And so Paul was profoundly dependent on God. And what you can see, if you, if you were to read through uh, Acts, the book of Acts, you see the apostles and those going out on mission praying again and again and again, praying that they would have boldness to go out, praying that they would see people responding to the gospel, praying for those heading out for, this, for their safety, but not just for their safety, for power to go with pe the people. In 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, verse 5, Paul says, uh, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. It's God that works on his mission through his people. Not his people working and using God as a tap to work through and, and get stuff done. God is the one working. So Paul is deeply dependent on God in mission. So for Hills Baptist, for, for us here, and if you're visiting, for, for our Christian communities, what's our posture to God's mission? What's our posture? When we go out and we want to evangelize with someone, where are we doing that from? How can we be humble, courageous, and dependent? I think if we think about humility, a really important thing to remember is that God's mission is not about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God and His work in the world. It's not about what I do, that I have this great ability to evangelize and I've got to go unleash that on people. It's not about what I'm entitled to do. 
It's not about how much I've been given and how much I've served and how much I've brought to the table. It's about God's mission. It's not about what a great, nice, loving community we have and how nice and great and kind we are together, how much superior we are in our culture and how we treat each other. And if only, if only other groups were more like us and then they would have better lives. So let's go and bring what we do and how we operate in our culture and we'll teach other people just to be like us and then that will be bringing out God's mission. That's not humble, that is arrogant. Fighting for our rights, fighting for Christendom. If only Australia as a nation would understand its root in Christian history. If only then, if, if, if the government imposed Christian ethics on people, then the nation would be worthy of God's salvation. That's not the gospel. The gospel is God loves us and he saved us. And none of us are any better than anyone else. None of us have something in and of ourselves to offer anyone else in this world. The only thing we have to offer, we've been given. And that's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so coming with that humble approach. And we're going to hear from missionaries and a bit of of missionaries who have Uh, served wholeheartedly, sacrificially, humbly, learning other languages, immersing themselves in other cultures, celebrating the differences, not coming with an attitude that they are better, but coming with to offer up the greatest thing that we have, which is the gospel. How can we be more humble? How can we be more courageous? Again, like we'll, we'll hear stories from very courageous missionaries leaving the comfortable Western context to go and serve in Africa, in Asia, uh, in, in, in um, rural Australia with people groups and people very, very different to themselves. Being part of God's mission takes sacrifice. It takes risk takes giving of ourselves. And I think often as a church, it's so easy to get so comfortable with with the great thing we've got going on here that we lose our courage. And I'm not saying we should do worse as a church, but we need to be more courageous. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that at the time that we're doing Missions May and we're asking the church to give over and above to our mission, uh, to, to missions, that the interest rates are increasing and cost of living is increasing and, and like finances are getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And we're asking the church, all of us, to give a love offering to our mission partners, to people who have it so much harder than we do. Now, we're not doing this to manipulate you to say, if you were to give, you'll get so much more in return. No, if you give, you'll have less because you sacrificed, right? Let's be honest about that. (laughs) But what an opportunity to take a risk. What an opportunity to practice our courage, to give of ourselves, to make a sacrifice so that 
God's mission can be supported and be effective throughout the world. Now, if anyone complains that faith is boring, that life's a bit mundane, that just don't have that spark anymore, one way to fight that is to be more courageous, is to take more risks. I, I can't imagine any of our missionaries who've made, had made massive sacrifices saying that their faith is boring. Is faith boring because we're too comfortable? We come and hear of Jesus who loved us, who gave everything so that we could have life. To follow in his footsteps is to be courageous, is to take risks, is to make sacrifices for him and his glory and his mission. We have an opportunity to, to, to make life exciting by taking risks, being courageous, and also being dependent, being dependent. Do we go out in our own strength, with our own gifts, with our own abilities, with our own resources? Or do we go out in the power that God has given us? Do we trust that He is the one to do the work? That we don't necessarily have the answers and the right way of doing things, it's God. And I think the beginning and the middle and the end of God's mission has to be prayer. As a church, are we praying for God's mission? Are we praying for the missionaries we're about to see on the video? Are we praying for poverty across the world? Are we praying for our neighbors, our next door neighbors, the people across the street, people across the room, people in our own families? Are we inviting God to come and do his mission, draw them to himself? Because it's the word of God, it's Jesus, it's the only one who can save, not us. Not a, not a community development program, but only Jesus. Do we depend on him and invite him in and partner with God to bring Jesus to those people across the room, across the road, across the sea? Are we praying? And this... This posture, humble, courageous, dependent, this was Jesus' posture. The greatest missionary, leaving his comfort and power and privilege of heaven, entering into the world, giving his life up, being humble, serving those around us, not taking anything for granted, being courageous, speaking up against injustice, telling the truth in love. And he was dependent. So many times we see Jesus withdrawing and praying, dependent on his Father. Now I know, I've been pretty harsh, but I know I'm preaching to the converted here. I, I actually really admire our church community. We are humble, we are courageous, and we are dependent. But I wonder how can we grow in those things? How can we keep growing. Let's lean in more. To finish up, before we hear from a missionaries, I want to share a story. Um, throughout high school and then into uni, 
um, I had a friend who wasn't a Christian, I was a Christian, and we had lots of fun debating about faith and Jesus and science and the resurrection and all these kind of things. And I, um, we spent hours and hours and hours talking about um, faith, debating these questions, both very intellectual, or we thought we were at least. Uh, and and I, I felt like, like that was my mission. That was evangelism, just debating this guy. And as long as I won the argument, then he'd finally, all right, you're right, I'll come in, I'll become a Christian. That was the goal. That was the mission. But it was never happening. And sometimes I would win arguments, but yet he wouldn't become a Christian. Like, come on. And then, um, then uh, uh, for schoolies, we went away. We were staying at our family farm on a holiday uh, for this weekend. And there was a moment where um, he was going through some stuff, some heavy stuff, and, and we were talking about it. And at the end of this, this discussion, I just felt prompted, like, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you in this? And I... It was a weird thing because he was so anti-Christian and so, like against all that. So it was a big risk for me to even suggest that. But he's like, sure, great, pray for me. And so I did. I prayed for him around this thing and, and just pray for him generally. And then afterwards he said, um, he said, I felt something in that. I felt something in that. And it was that moment I realized that like that's the mission. Not that I would win an argument. Not that I would convince him and debate him and, uh, you know, yell at him into faith. But that he would have an encounter with Jesus. That he would meet Jesus. That's the mission. That's the mission. And that profoundly changed my posture towards this person. Now, he, unfortunately, we're still on a mission. He's, he's not in the faith yet, but, but there's an encounter there, and that's what we're after. Not to bring in all the great stuff we have into communities, not to share this, this great spangled gospel outline, but that people would have an encounter with the living, risen Lord Jesus Christ. That's the mission. And I think the biggest difference we can make in our part in God's mission is our posture. Being humble, being courageous, and being dependent on Him. I'm going to quickly pray and then we'll, we'll watch a video hearing about our partner missionaries and what they're involved in across the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work you do on mission. We thank you for the work of Jesus and the work, uh, the mission work he did to, to make a way that we could be saved, make a way that we could be restored to you and saved. We thank you for the work of uh, the apostles and the work of missionaries throughout history who have humbly entered into communities, entered into cultures and brought the gospel and Lord, collectively, we do want to, want to confess the times that as a community and as Christians and as Christian nations, Christian organizations, we've approached things with arrogance, with a sense of superiority that, that's just not true. 
Lord, we repent of that. And we pray you would help us to have that same attitude of Christ, of humility, of considering others better than ourselves, recognizing that apart from Jesus, we are wretched, we are broken, we have nothing to offer. And in that, Lord, whether it's across the room, across the street, across the seas, we pray we, your people, would bring Jesus, that the world that all the people in the world would have a genuine encounter with Jesus because it is only through Jesus we are saved. And as we go out as God's church, as your church, on your mission, we pray we would bring faith, the truth of the gospel, that we would bring hope, hope of a future, hope to people who have no hope in hopeless situations. We pray we would bring love the acts of service and the blessing that you've shown to us and that would spread out to the world. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.